morning, everybody. Welcome to the September 28th meeting of the San Francisco County Transportation Authority Board. I am Rafael Mandelman. I chair this board. Our vice chair is Mirna Melgar. I want to thank Michael Baltazar from SFGovTV uh, for your help today. And our clerk is Elijah Saunders. Mr. Clerk, will you please call the roll? Yes, Chair. Commissioner Chan? Chan present. Commissioner Dorsey? Dorsey absent. Commissioner Engardio? Engardio present. Chair Mandelman? Present. Mandelman present. Vice Chair Melgar? Melgar present. Commissioner Peskin? Present. Peskin present. Commissioner Preston? Preston present. Commissioner Ronan? Ronan present. Commissioner Safai? Safai present. Commissioner Stephanie? Stephanie present. Commissioner Walton? Walton present. Chair, we have quorum. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. I think you have a public comment announcement. I do. Thank you. For members of the public interested in participating in this board meeting, we welcome your attendance here in person in the Legislative Chamber, Room 250 in City Hall, or you may watch cable channel 26 or 99, depending on your provider, or stream the meeting live at www.sfgovtv.org. For those wishing to make public comment remotely, the best way to do so is by dialing 415-655-0001, and when prompted, entering access code 2663-157-5230, and then press pound and pound again. You'll be able to listen to the meeting in real time. When public comment is called for the item you wish to speak on, press star three to be added to the queue to speak. Do not press star three again, or you will be removed from the queue. When the system says your line is unmuted, the live operator will advise that you will be allowed two minutes to speak. When your two minutes are up, we will move on to the next caller. Calls will be taken in the order in which they are received. Best practices are to speak slowly, clearly, and turn down the volume of any televisions or radios around you. Public comment for items on this agenda will be taken first from members of the public in attendance in the legislative chamber, and then afterwards from the remote speaker's queue on the telephone line. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Um, I want to excuse Commissioner Dorsey from today's meeting. And then before calling our next item as chair, I want to invoke Rule 3.26 from our Rules of Order to limit total public comment per item to 30 minutes uh, for today's meeting. Each speaker will have two minutes to speak on a given item unless I indicate otherwise um, uh, when we get to that item. Mr. Clerk, will you please call our next item? Item two, Chair's Report. This is an information item. All right, colleagues, um, I want to begin by thanking the city departments and regional and state transportation agencies uh, for their work on APEC earlier this month. Uh, it was a lot of hard work and coordination from colleagues at SFMTA, SFPD, SF Public Works, the Port of San Francisco, BART and Caltrans, among others. Congratulations to our operators and departments on a smooth week full of amazing events across San Francisco. Um, a lot of great connections were made, and I was glad that we were able to showcase the vitality, beauty, and innovations of our city, including a culminating event at Supervisor Engardio's Great Sunset Joy, Ro Joy Ride Bike Ride <coughs> to Ocean Beach. Congratulations, Commissioner Engardio. Prior to APEC, I got to help kick off another conference of the equally exciting <laughs> of the self-help counties of California here in San Francisco at the end of October. Equally exciting because our own Tilly Chang has been the, um, the chair of that uh, body for the last uh, two years. Congratulations, uh, uh, Tilly. Um, thanks to the 800 participants who attended the Focus on the Future conference, which featured over a dozen panels and receptions and six mobile tours. Thank you to our agency partners who helped provide tours of Salesforce Transit Center, Muni's Central Subway and Van Ness BRT, Presidio Parkway and Tunnel Tops, City Bikeways, and Treasure Island Ramps. And speaking of the Salesforce Transit Center, I am happy to report that the Portal Downtown Rail Extension Project was endorsed last week by the Metropolitan Transportation Commission for a key federal funding program, the mega program, and MTC approved a $100 million allocation from the Regional Measure 3 Bridge Toll Program for the project. Mayor Breed and I have sent a letter to MTC Chair Alfredo Pedroza thanking the Commission for these actions, and we hope to set up further meetings soon to discuss advancing the project's funding plan, especially with the help of state agencies. We also want to thank the MTC for providing much-needed operations funding support to BART, Muni, AC Transit, Golden Gate Transit, and Caltrain. This is critical bridge funding to sustain these systems and avoid service cuts until voters can consider long-term transit funding and reform solutions, we hope, in 2026. Thank you, Supervisor Ronan, for advocating for this funding at MTC. 
and we want to thank uh, S State Senator Scott Weiner and other legislators of the Senate Select Committee on Bay Area Public Transit who met yesterday at MTC to um, uh, discuss potential impacts of and solutions to the transit fiscal cliff. And finally, colleagues, I am happy to share that the Transportation Authority has been again awarded a Certificate of Achievement from the Government Finance Officers Association, the highest form of recognition in the area of governmental accounting and financial reporting. This is the sixth consecutive year the Transportation Authority has been awarded the certificate indicating that the authority has consistently demonstrated excellence in transparency and stewardship of public funds. Combined with our agency's AAA bond rating, this award is a testament to the hard work and high level of professionalism of our accounting team led by Deputy Director for Finance and Administration and General Rockstar, Cynthia Fong. So congratulations everyone and with that I conclude my remarks. And I see no questions or comments from colleagues so if there are any uh, members of the public we should open this item to public comments. If there's anyone in the chamber who wants to come forward, come on up. Not seeing anyone in the chamber, do we have any remote public comment on item two? Checking for a remote public comment on item two. If you'd like to make public comment, please press star three. Chair, there is no public comment on this item. Public comment on item two is closed. Mr. Clerk, please call item three. Item three, executive director's report. This is an information item. Good morning, Chair and Commissioners. Thank you very much, uh, Chair, for those opening remarks. Just want to echo your thanks to the MTC for the actions taken this past month. Uh, note that there's another small step to go in December to finalize the approval of that distribution of the state funding and, and to identify and confirm the final $344 million uh, that would be required to get the operators to uh, fiscal 26. But on, on balance, a very positive month um, and appreciate MTC staff support. Uh, as far as the transit fiscal cliff, I just wanted to also add to Chair's report that Senator Weiner and the Senate, Senate Select Committee did ha hold their hearing yesterday at MTC. Um, our principal modeler, uh, Dan Tischler, uh, provided some testimony regarding analysis that he did about the transit fiscal cliff, and I just wanted to share a couple of highlights from his, uh, from his testimony. Um, there could potentially be, if there were a, a transit cut associated with the fiscal cliff coming to fruition, uh, it, there could be transit cuts that would be quite devastating for the region, uh, including a reduction in transit ridership on the order of 100,000 fewer transit boardings per day um, across the operators serving San Francisco. Um, and this would result, of course, in increased transit crowding, um, uh, as well as shifts to driving trips, as well as lost trips and foregone trips. 39% uh, of uh, the trips would be foregone, and 46 would potentially switch to driving. And as you know, the Bay Bridge is already congested, so the congestion levels on the Bay Bridge would remain high, um, and, and we would have a whole regional uh, set of impacts associated with that scenario. So others testifying at the hearing did include all the other general managers, including of SFMTA, BART, Caltrain, and others, as well as advocates from public transit uh, groups, as well as business groups. So we thank Senator Weiner and his staff, as well as the whole committee for their leadership and uh, hope to continue engaging on this important discussion over the next uh, session. Moving on to the portal project, which um, Chair mentioned, we were really pleased to also join TJPA staff in welcoming U.S. Secretary of Labor, Julie Su, who visited the transit center earlier last month um, in, in combination with a whole bunch of, uh, excuse me, whole set of labor folks um, from San Francisco, the building and construction trades, and uh, in Sacramento. Uh, in the coming weeks, we do hope the FTA will uh, approve the project into the next phase of the capital investment grant program um, and hopefully secure uh, the ability to uh, seek a multi-billion dollar federal grant, um, $4 billion. Our local match would also be required on a one-to-one -one basis, and so we are working very hard to try and uh, fill the last $2 billion of that $4 billion, and we'll continue to do so with uh, state and federal and regional partners coming into the uh, next 18 months with the goal of completing the portal's funding plan by winter of 2024-25. 
Turning to um, other regional studies, the MTC's Next Generation Bay Area Freeway Study is conducting outreach. Um, as you'll recall, this is a study of the freeway pricing options for mainline freeways such as US 101 and I-80 and 880 in the Bay Area. The strategy is called for in Plan Bay Area 2050 as necessary for maintaining reliable uh, tra travel options and achieving greenhouse gas emission reduction targets. MTC staff have conducted an initial analysis to identify potential freeway pricing scenarios. This is again on the regional freeway system, not on local roads, but there are some options that do include pricing of arterial parallel facilities. So um, folks who are interested in uh, learning more or weighing in, please do go to mtc.ca.gov uh, to listen to the webinars and to uh, provide your input to that study. Now moving to local issues, the Vision Zero program, as we all know, got a uh, very important bump um, and support from Assembly Bill 645 from uh, the speed safety camera legislation and MTA is mobilizing quickly to implement this program. Uh, we thank them for their work uh, and today on our board, today you also have on the agenda some outreach funding that will supplement uh, their efforts. SFMTA will require two board of supervisor approvals in early 2024 before they can begin procurement of the speed safety cameras. Um, and in 2024, they also seek uh, legislation to um, uh, to allow their design and build and operate uh, vendor as well as a second BOS item to approve the speed safety system use policy um, and system impact report, which are both requirements of the legislation. After these two approvals, MTA will start the procurement process, select the vendor, um, and work on design and implementation of the 33 cameras that are the maximum allowed under the bill. MTA anticipates the camera will go live in early 2025, and we expect to agendize uh, an informational hearing at our board here in January 2024, early next year, about the proposed uh, camera design uh, and implementation. So please stay tuned for that update. Another update as far as two uh, studies conducting outreach include the Brotherhood Way Safety and Circulation Plan for uh, Supervisor, Vice Chair Malgar and also Commissioner Safai. So this month we launched outreach for that study including meetings with community-based organizations and neighborhood groups, an online study, and an interactive online map. On December 6th, we'll be hosting an interactive town hall, and then on December 16th, we're hosting a walk through um, the, the neighborhood corridor. This first outreach round will focus on confirming the study goals and hearing from community members about the specific needs and barriers and opportunities uh, to improve safety and circulation uh, in the corridor. We are also going to be discussing the accompanying quick build proposals uh, to address community needs. Um, as well as identify potential long-range concepts. So that is uh, to be found at sfcta.org brotherhood. The second uh, outreach event will be with the Mission Bay School Access Plan requested by Commissioner Dorsey. Uh, this is um, Prop K funded to help improve active transportation access to a new school in the SFUSD uh, Mission Bay campus area. Outreach will begin this month as the project team meets with, again, neighborhood groups. And in January, we release an online survey and host an in-person workshop and walking tour of the area. Uh, folks can learn more at sfcta.org slash mission bay school. In terms of project delivery, some updates. The 16th Street uh, red transit lanes will be added in 2024, but otherwise is, uh, the transit enhancements project is substantially completed. Uh, very happy to report SFMTA has reached this complete milestone on the 16th Street transit enhancements project uh, benefiting the 22 Fillmore uh, with the help of 5.6 million in Prop K funds. This re includes replacement overhead contact infrastructure and installation of uh, communications infrastructure along the 22 trolley bus line and new crosswalks, pedestrian bulbs, traffic signals, curb ramps, boarding islands, and the like will improve reliability, travel time, and safety for uh, all the many users of that, of that line. So we look forward to celebrating the final completion of this project with the community, Commissioner Ronan and others at the Red Transit Lane um, conclusion in 2024. Uh, the quick build update um, in, in this, uh, in this 
project delivery update is the Prop K sales tax and TNC tax funded improvements on Hyde Street. Uh, construction began on the Hyde Street quick build between Geary and McAllister in late October. MTA expects to complete the work before year's end and improvements include non-colorized transit only lanes from Eddy to McAllister, a road diet from Geary to Eddy, intersection safety improvements at Eddy and Alice and color curb changes to help improve loading and deter double parking. We also see quick build construction along Lake Merced Boulevard moving forward. Crews have finished striping bikeway buffers and concrete barriers, installing the concrete barriers between Skyline Boulevard and Winston Street, um, and are working on installing new roadway striping between Winston and Brotherhood Way. Uh, MTA will also ho hold an open house for the Frida Kahlo Way quick build project on Tuesday, December 7th from 3 to 7 p.m. at City College in the multi-use building uh, at, at City College, uh, room 140. Uh, please look for more information at, at www.sfmta.com slash vision zero quick build projects. Finally, under um, another uh, update on the management side, I want to echo Chair's congratulations to Cynthia Fong and our finance division on the GFOA certificate for financial reporting, and also thank them for a business outreach committee event that they uh, joined on November 2nd with seven other local and state agencies to promote um, DBE participation in our procurement, and it was attended by about 100 firms. Uh, this committee, the Business Outreach Committee, is a consortium of Bay Area transportation and transit agencies that provide uh, opportunities for businesses doing, uh, doing work with us to get to know one another and partner. Participating agency staff reviewed um, all the different opportunities, contracting and otherwise, and ways to do business with each agency, as well as upcoming contracting opportunities. So thank you to everyone who participated um, and look forward to uh, maintaining our very good percentages of DBE participation. Thank you. Thank you, Director Chang. Um, I don't see any comments or questions for you. Let's open your report to public comment. If there's anyone in the chamber who wants to come forward and talk about item three, please do. And I don't see anyone, so let's see if we have any remote public comment on item three. Okay, remote public comment on item three. There is no public comment. All right, public comment on item three is closed. Mr. Clerk, please call item four. Item four, approve the minutes of the November 14th, 2023 meeting. This is an action item. Um, all right, let's see if we have any public comment on item four. If there's anyone in the chamber, don't see anyone. Uh, let's see if we have any remote public comment on item four. There is no remote public comment on this item. All right, public comment on item four is closed. Is there a motion to approve item four, the minutes? Moved by Melgar. Is there a second? Seconded by Walton. <laughs> Thank you, Commissioner Walton. Uh, Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Commissioner Chen. Chen, aye. Commissioner Dorsey, excuse, apologies. Uh, Commissioner Guardio. Guardio, aye. Chair Manaman. Aye. Manaman, aye. Vice Chair Melgar. Melgar, aye. Commissioner Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Preston. Preston, aye. Commissioner Ronan. Ronan, aye. Commissioner Safai. Safai, aye. Commissioner Stephanie. Stephanie, aye. Commissioner Walton. Walton, aye. There are 10 ayes. The minutes are approved. Great. Uh, then please call our consent agenda items five through nine. Items five through nine comprise the consent agenda. Staff is not planning to present on these items, but is available for questions. All right. Uh, is there a motion to approve item nine? Moved by Melgar. Is there a second? Seconded by Ronan. Thank you, Commissioner Ronan. And I think we can take that same house, same call, without objection. The motion passes. Mr. Clerk, can you please call item 10? Item 10, San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency update on transit facilities and fleet programs. This is an information item. All right. Uh, I want to thank Julie Kirschbaum, SFMTA Director of Transit, and Jonathan Ruers, SFMTA Chief Strategy Officer, who are here today um, to present this update on SFMTA's program to modernize its transit facilities, including incorporating electric charging infrastructure to accommodate the transition to a zero emissions fleet, and how this is coordinated with the fleet program that ensures that involves procurement and maintenance of new transit vehicles to ensure they run safely and reliably. Um, this update provides context for the Prop L Muni maintenance program, 
the largest one in the expenditure plan, uh, $825 million in 2020 dollars. This body will consider programming the first five years of sales tax funds along with specific projects for allocation this fiscal year at our December board meetings. Um, and with that, I think I'm inviting Director Kirschbaum, but I know I'm inviting Mr. Ruers to present this item. I was going to be part one, and then our Director of Transit, Julie Kirschbaum, will follow me. Um, good morning, Chair Mandelman, Commissioners, Jonathan Ruers, Chief Strategy Officer at the MTA. Um, thank you for the introduction on the item. Um, just to be clear, and, and for the public and, and this board, um, the agency is fully intending on moving forward with a full zero emission fleet, but there are two components of it. The physical fleet and vehicles itself and upgrades that will be required to all of our facilities across San Francisco. Um, the Building Progress Program, which I will talk about, is our program to modernize and adapt those facilities uh, and also an opportunity for us to look at redevelopment and joint development opportunities on properties that are controlled by the MTA within San Francisco to generate additional revenue. The program itself is two and a little bit more uh, than a billion dollars and um, is a little bit different from the typical programs. There's an integrated citywide team that includes staff from the MTA, Department of Public Works, the Office of Economic Workforce Development, Planning Department, and the Mayor's Office of Housing with the goal to modernize facilities and deal with the agency's largest state of good repair issue, improve the resiliency of the transportation system to climate and technology changes, be a better neighbor, these are fixed plants within different neighborhoods of San Francisco, and meet regulatory compliance issues that are arising. Um, if people didn't know, the MTA does have 31 buildings, nearly 2 million square feet in San Francisco. The backlog on our facilities across San Francisco is the largest state of good repair issue that the SFMTA and our transportation system faces. I often have to remind our colleagues in the region and in the federal government that the Municipal Railway is the oldest public transportation agency in the nation, and therefore our facilities are over a century old and well beyond their useful life. There are three components to the program. I've already talked about modernization, state of good repair, electrification, i.e. putting in the fixed infrastructure um, in order to electrify the Muni fleet, and then joint development. Again, opportunities to maximize operational uses on all of these properties, but um, also work towards me, generating revenues that go back into... Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Um, SFGovTV, can we pull up the slides, please? I was Have looking at started? that. I mean, I'm on camera, but... The slides are very interesting. We are not seeing <laughs> slides. More interesting than me. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Clerk. All right. For those at home, we are now on the pretty graphic, and we are back to the state of good repair issue um, that Muni is facing with the buildings, electrification of our facilities, and then joint development opportunities on each of these properties. The program is built up into kind of subcategories of capital projects. So as an example, we're taking the old animal care and control facility and updating it to be our new parking control officer headquarters that will take the MTA out of a leased facility and result in long-term cost savings. Um, we're working on three major projects right now at our yards, one at Petro and Presidio, specifically our first electric fleet at Kirkland. Um, cable car barn is an issue that is emerging. We've been working with the federal government on opportunities and are working to clear that project environmentally right now. Um, the modernization program, again, covers our largest yards and our greatest state of good repair needs with the focus on improving muni service by adding maintenance bays, requirements for the fleet, and this is where the timing of fleet procurements is important, meeting regulatory requirements, and maximizing funding opportunities that have emerged through the federal government. Um, in 2019, uh, the program focused first on expanding Muni Metro East and using the 1399 maintenance facility as a temporary trolley coach yard. Um, that has been deemed infeasible because, as I know this commission knows, our June 2022 general obligation bond did not pass, unfortunately, missed by 1.5%. So we reevaluated the program and we've saved about $150 million by looking at different opportunities to meet the fleet requirements over time post-COVID. So the Petro Yard will now be the first project that stays on schedule. And we've moved up the Kirkland Yard, which will become our first complete um, electric bus facility. 
Um, I do want to give this commission and board an update on the patrol yard modernization project. Um, it is one of the most significant projects this city has taken on, and I want to thank the Transportation Authority staff for helping us secure the sales tax funding, both with the voters and shortly with the allocation request at the next meeting to advance this project. Um, it will replace a 100-year-old um, facility. Um, it does focus on making this the central hub for our ongoing trolley coach maintenance. It does include a 500-unit housing project above and along Bryant Street, and it is one of the most unique forms of project delivery that we have. Again, it is an integrated city team, and the project is on schedule. Um, the bus yard itself, upon completion, will increase the number of employees on the site by 78%, so that's an example of us upscoping. We will have a complete training facility. The current training facility is at our Presidio yard. We will also be able to store 54% more vehicles at this site, which will allow us to shut down other sites across San Francisco in order to modernize them. When the project's completed, there will be about 830 employees working at this location. The project's critical path, 100% um, schematic design, was completed on schedule this fall. We are finalizing the entitlements and finalizing the CEQA documents now. Those will come forward to you as the Board of Supervisors likely in February. Um, and this has been one of the most difficult projects I have had 25 years in government to work on. But again, um, as a city, we are doing our best to advance the vision that this um, body and the Board of Supervisors helped us develop for this site. Um, here is an example of the site. We've done significant outreach. We have a working group um, that we meet with monthly, regularly. We go to community meetings. Um, the outreach team on this project has been outstanding. This shows you an example at Bryant and 17th of the proposed project. You'll see the three-story bus yard. You'll see the housing proposed along Bryant Street, which would be the first phase of housing, and then two additional projects that would... Um, uh, be developed on the roof, both workforce housing um, and senior and multifamily housing um, that would come as funding um, is secured. And here's an example of the project in the evening. Um, on the joint development side of things, Patrol Yard is our first example of doing a P3 project. Um, Presidio Yard, we continue to secure grants. We've completed schematic designs on the bus yard at that site and also have development opportunities. We're also looking at Moscone Garage and RFP um, was released prior to the pandemic. We did pull it back. We will look at that site and the Fifth and Mission garage site at the same time. We're working closely with OEWD to kind of look at that entire area of the downtown for development opportunities in the future. Um, we did complete all the required uh, studies that we received that were required as part of our Caltrans grant. On the electrification side of things, we were able to secure $30 million from the Federal Transit Administration to move forward with a pilot at Woods and Isleas to kind of get our fixed standard infrastructure in place at our yards. We are advancing the Kirkland Yard electrification project. That, too, is dependent on the sales tax at some point. Um, we are also dependent on securing federal grants to get that project fully moving. Um, Presidio Yard will be the agency's first full battery electric facility, and we gave an update um, to this board at your last meeting on paratransit electrification. Um, what I do want to stress is, and this is something that Julie will speak about, um, this is an extremely complicated building program that is tied both to fleet timing, regulatory requirements, and funding requirements all at the same time. So it is dynamic. It is pay-go, which is also unusual for transportation. Like, we have a partial funding plan. We continue to make all projects ready. But we are constantly searching for additional dollars to move this forward, and that needs to be noted as a constant risk. Julie Kirschbaum is not here. Not yet. So I will begin her presentation for her. Um, so with that said, that is the fixed component of moving towards electrifying our fleet, but the goal still remains to get to a full 100% um, zero emission fleet. We have had lessons learned from our recent pilots, and so we have charted out a path, now knowing what the regulatory environment is, the market environment for securing these vehicles, and the technology requirements um, to get there. So one thing we do want to note is transportation does account for 44% of greenhouse emissions in San Francisco. No secret to many of you on this board. Um, but public transportation um, accounts for only half a percent of that greenhouse gas. 
Private cars and trucks account for 30%, so that's a key component of the mission of the MTA to take that on specifically through our climate action strategies. But Muni, within that total amount, accounts for 0.001%. So just to start off as a baseline, we do have one of the greenest fleets in the nation. Um, I will say, at least from a funding perspective, from my old job as CFO, a lot of the federal and state funding that's available is tied to greenhouse gas reduction. And we already start with one of the cleanest fleets in the nation, so it makes it difficult for us to secure those pots of funds that are available now and that you hear about. But it's still something that we're continuously working on to make the case. Um, but the best way to reduce vehicle emissions is to get people to ride Muni. So the agency has been committed to that through creating you know, safer, more reliable, and clean transit for San Francisco. As more people shift their trips onto Muni, that is the real result. That's what we want to do, move people away from those car trips onto transit trips that prove to be the most efficient. So that requires a reliable transit, and that will require more hybrid vehicles. So we've been working on um, a fleet management transformation. For those of you who have been um, with the Board of Supervisors for a long period of time, you will remember those periods where we would wait until the Muni fleet hit year 12. We would see a lot of breakdowns and issues in service. And so what we've tried to do is come up with a more consistent process to procure our fleet. Where we're not replacing 100% of the fleet every 12 years, but we're doing a component of it. So we're keeping that fleet in a constant state of good repair, which also ensures that the fleet remains reliable. Come on up, Julie. Here's Julie Kirschbaum, Director of Transit. My apologies and congratulations for having such a fast-moving agenda. Um, the... Uh, the thing that we wanted to share most today is both the tremendous progress that we've made on our journey for low emissions and also some of the very real challenges that we're experiencing as we transition from very low emissions to, to zero emissions and doing that in a way that keeps the focus on our larger climate goals um, and as hopefully Jonathan shared with you, really making a dent in that 30% um, transport sector emissions that are coming from private vehicles. Um, so the progress that we've made specifically on the electric bus um, has been very informative. We now have 10 electric buses in service. They are handling our steepest hills and our most crowded routes. Uh, we've tested them all over uh, the system. You'll probably see them with their big lightning bolts um, as they go by. And some of the things we've learned are gonna help with our procurement process. We've learned that we don't need the biggest battery pack, for example, and that because of our hills and because of our steep uh, kind of congested conditions, we're actually getting some of the highest regenerative braking in, in the industry. So that's been very informative. We've also learned that um, some of the manufacturers are having problems with production line quality, and that in general, there is still some work that the industry needs to do to get the electric buses to the same reliability standard that we're seeing with the hybrid fleet. Um, so in terms of our journey towards zero emissions, we were early adopters of, of hybrids, and that has really paid off in a, a number of ways, both by giving us very quick benefits, but also in how it's trained our workforce. And I'm going to talk a little bit at the end about the just uh, transition that we anticipate on this journey. Um, most recently in 2018, when we bought our last round of new flyers, we were able to equip them with a green zone technology where we're now able to go 25% of the route as completely zero emissions. And that's set based on GPS, so we don't rely on the operators having to trigger it. And we're going through some of our neighborhoods that have been currently and historically impacted disproportionately by some of the transport sector congestion, like the Tenderloin um, and, and the Bayview. We um, also, as part of our pilot 
um, made progress on the charging stations. So we now have 12 charging stations at Woods, and we're really excited that we have received a large federal raise grant in order to be able to expand this from 12 to 24, and also to add six electric charging units to Islaus Creek. Um, but despite that progress, we don't see a path where we could just say we're only gonna buy electric vehicles today. Uh, and the reason for that is very much challenges related to the facility expansion, which as Jonathan shared, we're making really good progress on, but is proving to be far more complicated than when we really started this journey in 2018. So we went earlier this month and we asked the SFMTA board to update our policy, which had previously targeted 2035 for us to get to 100% zero emission and to instead extend that to 2040, putting us in alignment with the California Air Resources Board. We developed our standard um, about nine months before the CARB process and really before we had any experience with the facility electrification. So the update in the policy is intended to reflect some of those lessons learned. We also changed the policy to be much less prescriptive. In 2018, it was battery electric bus or, or bust. Um, and it didn't allow for a continued investment in trolleys. We were very nervous at the time that there wouldn't be a trolley bus to buy. Um, and it didn't allow for other technologies like fuel cell, which we don't currently think are the right fit for our agency, but maybe over time as we learn more about this process. So the other big change that the SFMTA board made was to be agnostic about the technology. As long as it was zero emissions and it met our, our facility needs, um, it would work. Um, the other kind of challenges that we have faced are, are on the funding side, and I know that's something that we are collectively all focusing a lot of attention on, but specifically for the facilities program, um, the 2022 GeoBond not passing was a significant setback. And on federal grants, we've had sort of a mixed result, and, and that's not unique to San Francisco. A lot of California, properties are seeing that because we made such a large upfront investment in low emissions that we're not necessarily getting as much federal support as we go to make that kind of final increment towards zero emissions. Um, so I, I'm gonna dive uh, right into slide 34 in the interest of time and uh, really focus on where we see things going in terms of next steps, because part of, of, of why we're here is to get policy direction before we bring a contract um, to the Board of Supervisors um, uh, when you all are wearing that, that hat. Um, so the first step is that part of the rebuild of Potrero um, and our kind of rethinking of the trolley fleet is to really designate Potrero as a full trolley facility. Um, it will not only have the space for the current buses that it holds, but also for the majority of the buses that we are currently storing at Presidio. Uh, we are recommending in the short term that we store the 60-foot trolley buses. There have been some questions, why not use those buses instead of buying hybrid buses? And uh, there's two challenges with it. One is that we do not have a facility to maintain those vehicles in the short term until Potrero is done, and we have an ur urgent need for the service. We made a strategic decision to not invest tens of millions of dollars in a temporary facility. When we were planning for Potrero prior to COVID, we had over 600 peak vehicles that were going out every day. So the idea that we could temporarily store the 60-foot trolley vehicles as part of a construction project really wasn't possible. 
However, we're now running more like 530 peak vehicles. We're running a lot more midday service, as you know, because the downtown travel patterns are very different than they were pre-COVID. So it allows us to redirect money that would have gone into temporary facilities that we don't own and don't have a long-term use to something like Kirkland, which we really see as the first full electric uh, facility. Um, so we are in the process of kind of catching up our building progress program to all of this new thinking, um, as Jonathan shared. And then moving forward, we are going to recommend buying a combination of electric and hybrid buses, really pushing as much electric as possible, but not outpacing our facility program. And so with that, you know, one of the things that I, I really want to share is that I am not just signaling that I think we need to buy hybrids for 2025 and 2026. I think that we are going to need to buy a shrinking number, but still a number of hybrids all the way through 2030. And that's part of me coming back to this board um, and just sharing that our, our thinking on this has changed and grown. When we came um, about two, maybe even three years ago, to buy the 32-foot buses, the little short ones that are on routes like the 37, I think I had said, these are the last hybrids. And you all had said, great, don't ever bring us anything that's, that's not electric. And um, that really was where my my learning and my headspace was at the time. Um, but because we are doing much more long-term planning and you know, have a facility program that's looking out 25 years, not just the you know, three to five years in front of us, uh, we now have a much better understanding and we wanna be very transparent that this isn't the last time we're coming with hybrids, but that number is gonna shrink over time as we make great progress on the facility program. <coughs> Uh, the, the last thing I want to touch base on, and sorry for running a little bit long, is on the trolley buses. Um, one of the exciting new developments about trolley buses is they now um, have the potential to be equipped with what's called in-motion charging. Um, our current buses can go off-wire for about a mile, maybe a mile and a half before we start to get nervous that they're gonna drain all their, all their batteries. But the in-motion charging buses can go off wire five to 10 miles and then recharge within 45 minutes. So routes like the 7-8, for example, or the 9 San Bruno, where we have existing overhead wire on about half the route, have the potential to be considered future trolley buses. Um, so we have now tested in-motion charging on four of our existing vehicles, two 40-foot buses and two 60-foot buses. We're going to um, continue that testing and even do some testing in service on routes like the 9 and the 7. Um, but we don't believe in-motion charging is something that has to wait for the next generation of buses. We think that the existing buses, as part of our midlife overhaul program, can be upgraded with this new technology. So it really allows us to not only use our existing trolley fleet more strategically, but also to think about potential future expansion opportunities uh, for, for trolley buses. Uh, the procurement plan um, that we're currently targeting, the most urgent need is to replace the first 112 uh, new flyer buses um, in 2025 and 2026. Uh, we plan to bring a contract um, to the Board of Supervisors uh, this spring, um, and uh, that would be for 94 hybrids. Um, uh, shortly after that, in 26 and 27, we would be buying 12 40-foot battery buses and six 60-foot battery buses to take advantage of that grant um, that I talked about. And then as we bring more facilities online, most significantly first Kirkland um, and then Islaus Creek, we are slowly able to um, increase that proportion. Uh, just before I conclude, I, I do want to talk about um, our, our workers. Um, the transformation of the 
bus fleet would really not have been possible without our maintenance team really embracing preventative maintenance and really hearing the, the policy feedback from this board that if you buy brand new vehicles, you have to take care of them and they have to operate as well in year 10 as they did in year two. And we are absolutely seeing that because of the cultural change in maintenance and the commitment to really replace things before they break rather than inspecting them to see if they've broken yet. Um, we have been very fortunate that the battery electric buses have required almost no additional training for our automotive mechanics. Um, the hybrid buses and the battery electric buses are basically the same except one has more batteries and one has an engine. So we have not had to give any more training than we would give to any new bus coming online. So our workforce is really ready for this. And then we also see this growing job opportunities, particularly for Local 6, our IBEW electrical union, because they will be maintaining not just our trolley infrastructure, but also the battery electric facilities and the infrastructure that goes along with that. Um, the, just to conclude where I think Jonathan probably concluded is that we do see this, unfortunately, not as our worst case scenario, but really our best case scenario, that if we are not able to align funding, if our PG&E coordination gets longer, not shorter, then some of the goals that we've laid out here are going to be even more uh, challenging. So we are um, doing everything we can to hedge against uh, those risks, including keeping these projects in design and not slowing them down. We think that the more designed they get, the more competitive they will be for, for final funding, but we absolutely have to address the funding problem. Um, so with that, both Jonathan and I are available for questions and my apologies again for being late. Thank you, Director Kirschbaum and Mr. Ruers. Um, Vice Chair Melgar. Uh, thank you, uh, Chair Mandelman. So I do have a couple questions. Uh, first, a comment. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Ms. Kirschbaum. Um, I, you know, I have no issues uh, with you, um, you know, considering our needs uh, and, um, you know, making do with what is available in terms of hybrids as uh, opposed to electric. Um, all, all electric, I think, you know, we're of course, but you're not coming to us for diesel buses, so it's not, you know. Um, so I think it's it's um, great that you're thinking about it. Um, I do have a question, I don't know if it's for you or Mr. Ruers. Um, I appreciate that you guys are learning so much from the Potrero at Yard um, redevelopment. Um, you are also a very large property owner in mm -hmm. San Francisco, and um, your property, um, you know, and the use of your property relates not just to you, but a bunch of other departments as well. So my question mm -hmm. is, um, are you working on a comprehensive plan in terms of uh, not just the maintenance of your property, but potential redevelopment to adapt to the needs of, you know, a changing fleet, but also the climate crisis, the, um, you know, housing elements that we just passed, the um, changes in our transportation patterns, uh, the changes to um, our, you know, tourist uh, industry and, uh, you know, downtown versus neighborhood. I mean, there's just a lot of things that go into the use of your facilities, um, the generation of income potentially from your facilities. I just like, you know, this is one <laughs> Potrero Yard and there's so many. So I'm wondering, you know, I also think that, you know, perhaps the voters might support that if they knew what you were proposing, which I don't think mm -hmm. any of us do. So I'm wondering if you could talk about that since you're the strategy officer. That is a great question and I think you hit on all of the things that we're looking at. So uh, the Building Progress Program, what makes it so unique is that we have a multi-departmental MOU, so all of those things are being considered. Like, for example, our sites at Fifth and Mission and Moscone. As we're talking about the future of the downtown, right, the MTA has an interest in generating revenue as being a landowner and property owner that we want to put back into transit, 
but there are also you know, development opportunities and larger land use plans that we need to consider in areas you know, such as Soma downtown. We're definitely in the process. We did initial designs and land use options around the Presidio yard, so those are done, that we did get a Caltrans planning grant to be able to do that. So the allocation that will be coming to you next month takes us into the next phase of planning, which starts the outreach process and starts environmental review on various land use options for that particular property. We learned a lot from Potrero. We looked at commercial options, we looked at housing options, both sites, uh, Potrero and Presidio, were included in the housing element that was approved by this Board of, Supervisor, uh, Board of Supervisors, and um, the Potrero site is a priority site within the region, so we're also looking at the future housing bond that's likely going to be on the ballot in November and opportunities to leverage those properties. So both on the parking property side and as we look at these facilities, so another example would be Woods Yard. That's definitely an opportunity where we can upscale our own operations and then make some of that property available for joint development and other needs in the dog patch. We did a partnership with uh, UC Berkeley to look at different design options, like how could you maximize the site and still meet Muni's operational requirements. So definitely amongst the team, we're looking at that. Um, we're definitely doing that at Petro, and I think what we're learning is um, how this P3 process works. So it's the first time that we did full design, build, finance, maintain. The Board of Supervisors, all of you supported special legislation that allows us to use that procurement method. We're definitely learning lessons as we go through each phase of that that we will apply to future sites. So both internally in the city we are and on delivery we're learning. Right. My question was more like I, I am aware of all of your really wonderful efforts, but they are, you know, separate efforts. And what I'm asking for specifically is like a comprehensive plan because, you know, you're hopefully going to exist past this fiscal cliff crisis. Yep. Um, and over the next hundred years, I do think we owe it to the city to understand, you know, like how we're going to, mm -hmm. you know, uh, adapt, build. So, all you know, I guess my frustration with mm -hmm. uh, these things is that, you know, we go and do the BRT on uh, Van Ness and we open up the street and, you know, find out that, um, you know, what was under there is not what we thought we had planned for. So I think it would behoove us to plan comprehensively. And I understand that this is the first time that we're doing, you know, this kind of thing, P3 or this mm -hmm. kind of thing. But I do think that the goal should be to have a comprehensive plan because otherwise it is a lot of effort and energy to do one-offs, you know, and to reinvent it. And it doesn't mean that, you know, once you have a plan, you can't incorporate new information and do it. But like having a plan that we've all agreed upon, you know, despite the fact that we may disagree and have to get through that, I think is a worthwhile exercise. So that's, you know, all I'm going to say. And, and I hope that we can all Agreed. work towards it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Chair Melgar. Um, thank you both for this presentation. I mean, I, I will express uh, some disappointment. I think um, uh, I think Director Kirschbaum under-described the expectation several years ago that we would be moving more quickly to, um, to an all-electric fleet and the expectation that that was the last hybrid uh, purchase that we were going to be approving and at the same time I'm glad that uh, you're in the you know the, the world of reality and um, are looking at what is feasible and coming back and fessing up and letting us know that we should be expecting hybrid acquisitions through 2040 um, 2030 that is um, and if that is uh, the best we can do that is that's the best we can do and of course um, one of the most important things we can do for the environment and reducing greenhouse gas emissions is get people out of their cars and into transit. So, um, so I'm uh, disappointed, but my disappointment is, uh, I guess, solved by, um, by the reality that you're doing the best you can and that you're um, trying to get us to a transportation system that is you know, getting more people out of their cars. I also do want to thank you for um, your emphasis on just transition and your willingness to engage around the potential use of trolleys um, on, ongoingly um, as potentially part of the, the mix of, um, of, of uh, our future bus system. Um, and then I guess the last point I would just 
note, and um, I'm a little bit of a broken record about this, but this presentation underscores that it was a problem that we did not pass that bond in uh, the spring of 2022. Our current capital plan anticipates coming back four years after that in 2020, in the November of 2026, with a bond that is $100 million less than what we were trying to do in 2022. And from my perspective, that is a problem, and this board and the mayor's office should be looking at trying to move that up. Um, but, um, you know, I don't expect you to comment on that, uh, but it would be nice if we could move ahead with some of these projects that currently have gaps in them, including projects that would help move us towards, um, you know, a greener, uh, a greener future that, that has more housing in it. Um, so um, with those random thoughts, let's see if there's any public comment on this item. If there's anyone in the chamber who wants to come up and talk to us about item 10, please come forward. Good morning. The show is going on. As long as you keep talking about zero anything, zero emission, so it's going to work for SFMTA, you will be suspected to not raise the level of intelligence because there is not such a thing as zero whatever. How do you, for example, produce your batteries, what are they made of? Or do you recycle these batteries sooner or later? How? That's the question you ask yourself. The future is running everything with water. Okay, just let me go back. The reason why there is no zero is because zero by definition, doesn't exist. No matter what you produce, it has an effect, therefore, on the environment. The future is with water, yes. That's the big picture. So it's going to take a while to adapt to this. Last thing I would like to say this morning, before this afternoon is going to be big. Um, do I forget something? Yes, I guess I forget something. I forgot, I'm sorry, what I was about to say. But it will come again soon. Bye. All right, let's see if we have any remote public comment on item 10. All right, remote public comment on item 10. If you wish to make a comment, this is your reminder to press star three now. All right, let's go to our first caller. Hello, caller. Your two minutes begins now. Thank you very much. Um, uh, members of the board, uh, the CTA, I'm not exactly sure how to call you. This is uh, Alex Lansberg, Research and Advocacy Director with the San Francisco Electrical Construction Industry. Uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to comment. Uh, a, a couple things. First of all, I think we really do need to applaud um, SFMTA for uh, for their revised uh, and updated electrification and decarbonization policy. Uh, I think it's really important. I think it's absolutely fantastic that they recognize the the, the value of the trolleybus system uh, to meeting our climate goals. I do want to speak to a couple of things. One is uh, the facility re uh, renewal program. I'm not sure if this came up in this presentation or uh, something or we heard it in the MTA uh, board presentation, but the facility renewal program is going to be by far the biggest ticket item in the electrification program. And it's really important to take a step back and reevaluate its scope in light of the revised policy around electrification. Uh, we believe uh, at the electrical construction industry and, uh, and other folks sort of advocating for, uh, for trolley buses, for the better electric bus really, is that it's both operationally and fiscally prudent to first identify the best technology for each particular line, then the fleet, then develop a fleet plan, then design the, uh, the garage upgrades. Uh, what we've been seeing is that modern trolley bus technology can be incorporated into many of these yards and is absolutely applicable 
for for what we're doing. This is uh, this would actually fold in well with keeping us from buying more diesel hybrids. We're going to have about a hundred mothballed uh, trolley buses. We need to IMC or uh, trolleyfy or at least evaluate the trolleyfication of the seven and nine lines. A number of the other lines that we had recommended in our high opportunity electrification plan. And it is critical that we actually do some internal analysis and build on the study that the electrical you, uh, construction industry put together with the University you, of uh, Going next caller. Hello, caller. Your turn uh, to speak in now. Uh, uh, good morning, uh, Commissioners uh, Roland Brand. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, I'm really excited about this, and I do appreciate your um, disappointment about the, um, the hybrid buses. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to share a quote with you uh, back on my IBM days. We were by something that was known as the Watson edict. And one of the edicts was that it is better to aim at perfection and missing it than aiming at imperfection and hitting it. So I guess you know uh, what that means. We should uh, try harder there. I'm really um, excited about the results that you got with the en route um, charging. And that was because you had this extraordinary infrastructure all over San Francisco with the catenaries. And um, um, sorry, I lost my thought. I heard uh, somebody coughing. Um, in Santa Cruz, um, they had an entirely different experience. And they actually had to completely abandon the battery electric buses uh, because they couldn't possibly go up the hills, which, as you know, is nowhere steep as San Francisco. And they had to transition uh, to, um, uh, to uh, hydrogen uh, fuel cells. Um, in my closing comment, um, with regards to the bond measure, and it really is disappointing that that didn't pass in uh, 2022, but moving forward, um, I would caution you to work very closely with MTC, who currently in the process of putting a regional bond measure also on the 2026 uh, ballot, and the last thing that we want is for both measures to fail. Thank you. Thank you, caller. There is no additional public comment on this item. All right, public comment on item 10 is closed. Um, thanks to the MTA uh, and good luck. Um, and we'll look forward to hearing about your progress. Uh, Mr. Clerk, could you please call item 11? Item 11, introduction of new items. This is an information item. And I don't see anybody on the roster, so Mr. Clerk, please call oh, item 12. Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, we do. I would like to request a introduction of a new item. Uh, thank you, Chair Mandelman. Uh, following up on our AV hearing that we held here last month, um, we are all quite aware of the continued developments in the AV arena, including the California Department of Motor Vehicles suspension of cruises, driverless permits, uh, which impact uh, their driving in San Francisco where they have now ceased and then Cruz subsequently decided to pause their driverless autonomous vehicle uh, operations uh, nationwide. Uh, the California Public Utilities Commission that uh, over San Francisco's objections issued those uh, permits have stayed Cruz's expansion permit for San Francisco uh, ostensibly until a rehearing of their decision uh, that San Francisco requested takes place, um, albeit the PUC did reject San Francisco's request to stay the Waymo permit. Uh, today I'd like to ask the Transportation Authority staff to work, uh, to continue to work collaboratively with the Municipal Transportation Agency staff uh, to further develop our input to state agencies, including through an AV regulatory framework study that would look at how AV safety and performance metrics could be used uh, in what we've always sought, an incremental performance-based approach to AV permitting. Uh, the study would utilize best available public data and or estimates that we've been able to garner 
uh, to illustrate how the framework could be applied to AV companies' testing and deployment in San Francisco and beyond. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman, for that opportunity, and thank you, staff, for working on this. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Peskin, and thank, for you, thank you for all of the time, the significant time that you are putting into, um, into this issue. Um, and let's see if there's any public comments on item 11. Anybody in the chamber? Let's see if we have any remote public comment on item 11. There is no public comment for item 11. All right, public comment on item 11 is closed. Mr. Clerk, please call item 12. Item 12, public comment. All right, if there's anyone who'd like to speak during general public comment, um, anybody in the chamber? Let's see if there's any, uh, anyone remote. Checking for a remote public comment on item number 12. There is no public comment. All right, public comment on item 12 is closed. Mr. Clerk, please call item 13. Item 13, adjournment. We are adjourned. <laughs>